Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Chris Cast. This week, I will be reviewing In the Gloaming, an HBO original film from several years back, A League of Their Own, and the new Scoob movie. But first, let's get to the news. Well, obviously, the coronavirus is affecting everything right now, and the Hollywood Reporter has this story. The CW Holds new and returning series for January launch sets corona-proof fall schedule. Its typical fourth quarter launch will consist of acquisitions including Tell Me a Story and Swamp Thing, as well as the final seven episodes of Supernatural. The CW, like Fox, has largely corona-proofed its fall schedule. The younger-skewing broadcast network is delaying the launch of nearly all of its new and returning shows for January, a strategy many industry insiders predicted could occur amid the new industry-wide production shutdown. With the delay of 10 scripted originals for January and another 7 for a mid-season that could be anywhere from April to June 2021, Mark Pedowitz's network will turn to acquired series including Swamp Thing and Tell Me a Story to program in the fourth quarter. The CW's traditional premiere week launches in October, though this is an atypical year and it's unclear if that too could be delayed. Supernatural will be the lone series that needs to return to production to launch in the fourth quarter, as it has seven remaining episodes of its final season yet to air, two of which still need to be filmed. Filling the network's fourth quarter slate are episodes of the summer unscripted series Whose Line Is It Anyway, Penn & Teller Foolis, and World's Funniest Animals. CWC transfer two sentence horror stories and foreign acquisitions Dead Pixels, Coroner, and The Outpost. For the January launch, which the CW is dubbing the official launch of its new season, the network schedule remains largely as is. Rookie Superman and Lois will launch Behind the Flash on Tuesdays, taking over Arrow's slot, and Jared Padalecki's updated Walker takes over the final for the final season of Supernatural at 8 p.m. This, well, that would. They don't have it listed here, but currently Supernatural airs on Monday nights. Don't know if that's when they will be running Walker or not. But continuing with the article, The CW will launch a night of unscripted series on Fridays in January with even more episodes of Penn and & Teller and Whose Line, with Charmed moving to Sundays behind Batwoman and taking over the slot previously held by Supergirl. The new season of Supergirl will be held for whenever mid-season 2021 is for the CW and will film after star Melissa Benoist returns from maternity leave. Set to join Supergirl come mid-season 2021 are rookies Kung Fu and The Republic of Sarah, as well as returning series Legends of Tomorrow, Dynasty in the Dark, and Roswell, New Mexico. While Katie Keene is not currently anywhere on the network schedule, a decision on the Riverdale offshoot has yet to be determined, and the Greg Berlanti-produced series remains in contention. Katie King, Pedowitz said, will have a decision after the network is able to weigh full-season stacking rights on its ad-supported platforms and how it does on forthcoming SVOD service HBO Max. So, lots of news there on the fall schedule for CW. Definitely a change from the norm due to the coronavirus. Hopefully, we can get everything back on track and all of this can happen in time. Next up, from a site called pinknews.co.uk, finally an end to the darkness is in sight. Betty White has announced she's making her big TV comeback. 
basically, without reading this entire article to you, there is a holiday movie, I believe is what it said. Yes, um, as yet untitled made-for-TV Christmas film for Lifetime. In the film, White will play a woman who helps would-be Santas get ready for the festive season, but she could actually be Mrs. Claus. So, basically, she's already played Mrs. Claus. If you've seen the Disney shorts Prep and Landing, she was Mrs. Claus's voice in those. So, something to look forward to, definitely, this holiday season. And finally, our other Disney Plus story. Disney Plus is developing a Percy Jackson show. This comes from news.avclub.com. Mothers, lock up your meteorological phenomena. There's a lightning thief in town. Variety reports today that Disney Plus has begun development on a TV series adaptation of Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson series of young adult mythology hits. Reardon announced the news himself on Twitter this afternoon, including the fact that the first season of the series will cover the first Percy Jackson book, 2005's The Lightning Thief. For the unfamiliar, Reardon's series, which ended up spanning five novels plus a host of spin-offs, sequel series, and supplementals, centers on the titular youth who discovers one day that he's a demigod, one of several descended from the Greek pantheon of mythical deities. The books got a pair of film adaptations in 2010 and 2013, notable these days mostly for Reardon's public willingness to express his dissatisfaction with the end results. It sounds like Disney Plus, hungry as it is to devour all the young-skewing, young-adult hits of the last 20 years, between this and Artemis Fowl, is being a bit more accommodating than 20th Century Fox was back in the day. As part of the announcement, Reardon made it clear that Rest assured that his wife Becky and I will be involved in person in, in every aspect of the show. There's no word on when the series might go into development because there's no word on anything on when anything might go into development right now. But it's big news for all the now grown kids for whom Percy and look up other Percy Jackson characters later, possibly some kind of minotaur or talking goat, were firm friends and companions while they were growing up. And personally, you don't even have to have been growing up when they were released. I watched the movies long after I had grown up and enjoyed them. So hopefully the series will be good. And the fact that the first season is doing one book gives them the chance to actually get everything in the series that was in the book. There are always going to be changes, but hopefully it'll be very faithful and may end up being much better than the films were. You have to tune in to find out when they actually get it aired. Well, that's it for the news, except for one story that I'm going to hold for my reviews for this week. And when I return, I will review In the Gloaming, The League of Their Own, and the new Scoob movie, which came out today, which is why I'm late getting this wanted to get the Scoob movie reviewed before I recorded this week. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back. First up, 
a story leading into my first review. This comes from Today.com. Last surviving member of original Rockford Peaches dies at 101. Mary Pratt was a pitcher in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League during World War II, which inspired a league of their own. Crying in baseball was allowed this weekend. Mary Pratt, believed to be the last surviving member of the original 1943 Rockford Peaches of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, died at 101, her nephew told the Patriot Ledger on Saturday. Pratt also pitched for the Kenosha Comets in the AAGPBL, which was the inspiration for the 1992 hit movie The League of Their Own about the all-female professional baseball league started in the Midwest during World War II. We are terribly sad to report that former Rockford Peaches and Kenosha Comets pitcher Mary Pratt passed away on May 6th. She was 101 years old. Mary was the last known original Peaches player that played on the 1943 team, the AAGPBL tweeted. Her stories, her energy will be missed for a long time. And just amazing that the life that she must have had, what she saw at 101 having played baseball while World War II was raging overseas. And I know I've had a theme of World War II films and shows here lately on my reviews. Of course, I still highly recommend World on Fire. That show is just amazing. But I'm reviewing A League of Their Own for the simple fact to pay tribute to Mary Pratt, who passed away. First up. The Other Guys, IMDb, gives it a 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 78%. Metacritic gives it 67. The cast was absolutely phenomenal. Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Megan Cavanaugh, Tracy Reiner, Biddy Schramm, Ann Cusack, Ann Ramsey, Freddie Simpson... Renee Coleman, Robin Knight, Patty Pelton, Kelly Simpkins, plus you had just so many more, including Gary Marshall, of course the brother of the director Penny Marshall, who played Walter Harvey. Um, oh, I'm going blank here. Hold on just a minute. That's right, David Lander, who played Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley, is the announcer um of course John Lovitz is the scout that finds Lori Petty and Gina Davis and brings them to try out David Strathairn was the one keeping the league he, his character was responsible for keeping the league going after the first season when Harvey, Walter Harvey was going to close it down. Um, of course, he played Ira Lowenstein. And in a almost blink if, and you'll miss him performance, Eddie Mecca is the one dancing with Madonna in the bar. So, like I said, tons of huge names in this. Eddie Mecca... If you don't remember, 
was the big ragu, Carmine Ragusa, on Laverne and Shirley. The movie also ended up with a spinoff, a TV series. It apparently lasted six episodes, and reprising their roles were Tracy Reiner as Betty Spiggity Horn, uh, Gary Marshall was in two episodes as Walter Harvey, uh, Pauline Brailsford was in two episodes as Miss Cuthbert, but most of the cast was new. The characters were the same. I never did get to see the series and only discovered it well after it aired. It was a 1993 series. As I'm looking it up on Bing, it says A League of Their Own is an American television sitcom that aired on CBS from April 10th to 24th, 1993, with two additional episodes aired on August 13th, 1993. One episode out of the six produced went unaired. The series was based on the movie from 1992 and starred Sam McMurray, Megan Cavanaugh, and Tra Tracy Reiner reprised their, their roles from the movie. So... Only six episodes, five of which aired. I would absolutely love to see the show. I don't know if it was good or not, but I would just really be interested in seeing what they did with it in a 30-minute sitcom basis. But that's not my review. My review is A League of Their Own, the film. I absolutely love this movie. The acting is great. The story is well driven. Of course, my love for Madonna was the reason I wanted to see the movie, but it's not the reason that I loved it so much. I love Penny Marshall. She has done some really good films directing. She's done some films that I haven't been as thrilled with. Sorry, but I wasn't real thrilled with Big. I didn't think it was as great as everybody else made it out to be. But A League of Their Own is, of the Penny Marshall films that I have seen, my absolute favorite. Just, there's really nothing that I can say bad. I'm not a Rosie O'Donnell fan, never have been, but even Rosie O'Donnell was wonderful in this movie. There are so many wonderful parts, like the ad-lib line of John Lovitz when he yells at the cow to shut up. Um, just the, the song, This Used to Be My Playground, of course, I loved it. So, if you have never seen A League of Their Own, one, learn about the history of the AAGPBL because it is a very significant part of our history and quite an impressive part. Two, do yourself a favor and watch A League of Their Own. It is a fantastic film. Another thing I want to point out from the movie, it's a small part, but it says so much. There's a scene where a black woman on the side gets the ball and throws it past Gina Davis to another girl and when that girl catches the ball 
She takes off her glove and shakes, off, shakes her hand as if it hurts when she caught the ball, showing that the black female should have been in the, the league but was not allowed because of the racial issues of the time. And that is another significant historical accurate part that really needs to be put out there so we don't make that mistake again. So, so much to take in from this film. I don't want to give anything more away if you haven't seen it. And like I said, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it as soon as possible because it is a great movie. That being said, I'm going to grade it lower than five stars, just to be fair. There are a few issues with the acting. The story is not factual all the way through. It is based on fact. So don't watch this film thinking this is the actual history that's being presented. No, it's a story told from the actual history, but is not a true story. So that being said, I have to give this movie the lowest possible score I can give it. Four and a half out of five. Because I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's a top-notch film. The acting is strong from everybody. Everybody likes to talk about how bad Madonna is as an actress. This movie is one that proves that she was very good at acting. And definitely could hold her own. So... It, it's also the movie that made me fall in love with Lori Petty. Unfortunately, her career didn't do so well afterwards, but she did get to be the voice of a character created for Superman the Animated Series that is one of the great villains of Superman now, Livewire. So, definitely, get your chance and watch A League of Their Own. Next up, I... I think I mentioned it last week, I had recently subscribed to HBO Now, or not HBO Now, but HBO Max, until May 27th, I get HBO Now because of that, and I've been watching some stuff on there. If you haven't seen Looking, fantastic series, I've started watching The Pacific, probably review that next week, but... I went back and watched a film that I had seen a long time ago when it originally aired on HBO. It was In the Gloaming, an HBO original feature. It was directed by Christopher Reeve. The rating, the only rating that I see here is from IMDb. They gave it a 7.1 out of 10. And again, stellar cast on this. Glenn Close, Bridget Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, Robert Sean Leonard, David Strathairn, Annie Stark, and Will Reeve. Basically, this is the story of a man going home to die of AIDS. It builds up the relationship between the son and the mother. The mother played by Glenn Close, the son played by Robert Sean Leonard. And 
it shows them reconnecting, finding out things they didn't know about each other, learning things they did wrong along the way, and just such a good story. It's almost told like it would have been a stage play. There's not a lot of scenery. Basically, outside the house and inside the house and a walk along around the house. I don't know if there was anything else shown in the film. It is rather, very short for a film, clocking in about 61 minutes. But there's so much story in that 61 minutes. They even give a reason for the title in the gloaming, which I'm not going to tell you so you can watch it and find out for yourself. Whoopi Goldberg plays the nurse taking care of Danny, played by Robert Sean Leonard, who you may know best from House, as he was Dr. Wilson on there. Just so much good in this. It was... I remember... I seriously remember when it aired, there was not much like it anywhere to be seen. And that's one thing that made it special. The fact that Christopher Reeve was directing it made it another major point of selling. And watching it, I see that it's every bit as good as I remembered it to be. And if you haven't gotten the chance, I highly suggest watching it. The overall score, and I'm basing this on production value, acting, content, and overall enjoyability, I'm giving this one a solid 4.5 stars. Like I said, there's, there's issues... Like you, if you're not thrilled with the stage play, you may get bored with it. But it's so well done, with so much feeling along the way, and of course the cast just absolutely phenomenal. So, if you have HBO, if you're going to get HBO Max, definitely take the time. And watch Christopher Reeve's, I believe it was his directorial debut of In the Gloaming. Again, you will not be disappointed. And finally, just released on digital platforms today. The new computer animated version of Scooby-Doo entitled Scoob. only one returning cast member and you pretty much have to have the voice of Scooby-Doo Frank Welker he does not portray Fred Rogers in this or I'm sorry Fred Jones that is voiced by Zac Efron before I get to the rest of the voice cast, let me remind you, Rotten Tomatoes does not have a listing for Scoob, 
IMDb currently has it 6.5 out of 10. Back to the voice cast. Will Forte plays Shaggy Rogers. Mark Wahlberg plays the Blue Falcon. Jason Isaacs plays Dick Dastardly. Gina Rodriguez is Vilma Dinkley. Zac Efron is Fred Jones. Amanda Seyfried is Daphne Blake. Kiersey Clemens is Dee Dee Skies. Ken Jeong is Cap- is Dynamut. Tracy Morgan is Captain Caveman. Frank Welker is Scooby-Doo and a Pterodactyl. Ian Armitage is Young Scooby or Young Shaggy. McKenna Grace is Young Daphne. I'm going to screw this name up. Pierce Gagnon is Young Fred. Ariana Greenblatt is Young Velma. And Simon Cow voices himself. It starts out with Scooby and Shaggy meeting for the first time and goes into them trick-or-treating for Halloween where some bully kids get their candy and throw it into a haunted house. Daphne, Fred, and Vilma come along. Fred dressed as a knight. Uh, Daphne was dressed as Wonder Woman, and Velma dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Of course, Shaggy and Scooby were dressed as Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. And after Fred, Daphne, and Velma come along, they end up going into the haunted house to get Shaggy's candy back. They solve a mystery inside the haunted house, thus starting the career of the Mystery Inc. crew. And then the story picks up from there, bringing in Dick Dastardly, the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt, Captain Caveman, lots of Easter eggs along the way. And I mean lots of them. If you're a fan of the classic Scooby-Doo and other Hanna-Barbera shows, you'll definitely want to pay attention and see what all you can find that they've pointed out from the past. There's a lot. The closing credits. Seems like they go through the who's who of Hanna-Barbera. I don't think they used the Flintstones or the Jetsons, but I'm pretty sure there were references to the Flintstones in the film, but in the closing credits I don't remember seeing anything of the Flintstones or the Jetsons. The story is enjoyable. Personally, I was not a fan of the music. There was nothing in the music that really thrilled me. Even this rendition of the Scooby-Doo theme song I wasn't overly excited by, but it's music for today's generation, which I just really am not a fan of. If you're an adult, you can enjoy this film. I believe children will absolutely love it. The animation, I'm not thrilled with the computer animation, but it's good. It doesn't look horrible. So, I would have to overall give this one 3 out of 5 stars. It's not my favorite take on Scooby. I think there's been so much better done in the past. 
but it's a great start for a new line of films if they decide to go with these. And with that, I am out of reviews this week. I'm hoping that I'm giving you some great ideas on what to watch and kill the boredom during this pandemic. And as always, feel free to hit me up at Twitter, Chris underscore H71, or email me, Chris underscore H71 at Yahoo.com. That's it for this week. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.